Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. I feel like preaching today. Y'all ready to hear? Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna break some uh, I'm gonna break some preacher rules. I'm going to preach out of context. Can I do that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to. And if it offends you, get over it. And I really, this, today's message is, is very personal to me uh, because I got whacked upside the head yesterday. Uh, I went to breakfast with, with, with a with friend of mine. And in the conversation, he said something prophetic insight that he had about the walls of Jericho. I had been wanting to preach about pulling down the walls. I feel like I feel like there's some some walls of Jericho that have just been standing in front of me. I'm, I'm shouting at them and it's echoing back. You ever felt like that? And so I, I was studying Jericho and how they took down the walls, the demonic walls of Jericho, and God was giving them the land that he had promised. And so I was starting to head that direction. And, and during breakfast, he said, and, I'm like, and I said to him, man, I, I think that's a confirmation. I need to preach on walls of Jericho. And so when I got home, I went and looked up the walls of Jericho and God stopped me dead in my tracks. He says, don't try to take down the walls until you figure out who you are. I was like, who? So who took down the walls of Jericho? Joshua did. And so I had to go back, and as I went and started this process, because I want—I mean, who wants to take down the walls, the demonic walls in your life? I—I—I want to, and I want the relationships. I want what God promised me. I'm—I'm I'm 61 years old. I'm a little discouraged because I should be super wealthy by now. It's not happened. Um, I should have a 5,000 member church. It's not there yet. But see, that's those are young promises. Those were young promises. And now I'm an old man. And I got another 20 years, maybe. I mean, I'm just be realistic. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make 20 years because he said if I didn't lose weight, he'd, I'd be dead in five. So I've made that choice. But, but how do I get where I'm at? Anybody tracking with me? How do you get where you're supposed to be and get the promises of God? And, and so this is really a personal message for me. Um, and, and one of the things um, I've been been emotional with Susie's surgery this week. Then I had a little cry because I missed my daddy, and I came across some things that he had written that I've stolen from him for years. And and one of the things he wrote to me in a, in a message fifteen years ago, it said, "On the plains of hesitation rest the bones of countless thousands." who upon the threshold of victory sat down to wait, and waiting they died. He gave that to me over 20 years ago. And then when I was being mopey, he gave me another one. Grumbling is being passive-aggressive toward God. Or someone you're unwilling to confront to deal with a difficulty to settle a difference. I came across both of those this week and realized he's not here. He's dead. Say, so, so, am 
my dad's dead. So I come across this, and then I'm challenged to go figure out how Joshua tore down the walls of Jericho. And, and, and I realize my dad still talks to me. So I want you to go to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, we're going to read 1 through 9. I'm going to break it down, um, and I'm, I'm going to take some, some prophetic... Uh, I've never heard it done this way, so I'm just going to do what I believe God showed me to do for me, and hopefully you can apply it to yourself. Um, and I did forget for your testimony somewhere we'll get that in. Um, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise to go over this Jordan and you and all these people and to the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, toward the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Here it is again. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong, verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may be may have good success wherever you go. How many want good success? This book, eight, verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, verse 9, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 1 through 9. I want to paint a picture. This is an Old Testament setting. This is, this is before Christ, the finished work of the cross, which we have that advantage. You got to realize we read an Old Testament story and, and, and all of the types and shadows of how God dealt with his people in the Old Testament, because, it, you know, in the Old Testament, you screwed up. He killed you. Well, he decided to kill his son so that you wouldn't have to kill us. So we, we don't have that wrath side of God, but the principle doesn't change. So the worst, the, the, the worst punishment God can give you today as a Christian is he pulls away a little bit. You, 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 you lose his presence. See, in his presence is fullness of joy. If you've lost your joy, you've backed away from the presence. It may be a, a, a character flaw. It may be an attitude. It may be something. That, that's the worst punishment you can have right now. Okay. That was real well. Um, he, he, 
I want the walls of Jericho. I want the promised land. I want, I want the things God promised me. I've been serving God almost 25 years now. And, and, and I've had the visions. I've had the encounters. And, and I haven't seen um, in years what I saw in the beginning. In the beginning, I operated in more power. I operated in more miracles. And I'm like, am, am I old? What happened? You, you know, but I, I've come to, to a place of maturity that I believe God can now start trusting me. But he, here's what I felt like I was doing yesterday as I was studying this out. Draw a line in the sand and Moses is dead. See, the 20 plus years I've been serving God, pursuing the promises have been training. I'm taking it out of context. It's been training. My life of walking with Jesus for has been training. I was the Moses, but Moses is dead. I couldn't call my daddy this week, but I found something he wrote me. My daddy's dead. but he still has influence. My daddy was a leader in areas that I was weak and I could simulate. I could, I could see how he did things right. And let me tell you something. He didn't do everything right. Thank God he's dead in some of those areas. Oh, I, that was disrespect. No, that's reality. I don't want everything my daddy. I don't want to do everything he did, but I can find the things that I wanted. I can find the things that he did right. And let me tell you something. If you let someone's failure keep them from giving you what they have that they've done right, you're a fool. Say it. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Let me tell you, some of you have got all the skill sets already deposited in your life. Some of you have a husband that died who did a lot that you can build on, but some things you don't, they were failures. You reject that and focus on what he gave you. See, I used to go across the street to Mary Kay's house when I didn't know how to dream. And I would talk to her husband, Darcy, because one of his greatest strengths, he was a great dreamer. He looked at the positive side of everything. He found positive where I couldn't see positive. He was creative, and he had a list of failures, but he never quit dreaming. And he was a great encouragement to me when I couldn't encourage myself. He saw something in me that he knew that if he would just fan it a little bit, I'd catch on fire again. That was his strengths. But how many times, Mary Kay, did he jump off into some crazy adventure 
And we would look at it as a failure. He'd look at it like, well, I learned I won't do that again. <laughs> he was so positive. I'd be dragging my wagon of grumbling behind me. I don't know. I just part of my week. Here's my problem is that Moses is dead, and God is telling Joshua, it's time to take over. Moses is dead. Here's my problem. Moses didn't want to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt. When, when he was approached by God, the man who would become the greatest leader in Jewish history declined outright. Send someone else. He, he murmured. He said to him, I'm heavy in tongue. Pharaoh won't listen. How many have felt that way? My children won't listen to me. Well, then you're a leader. If you think you're not a leader, do you have people that you feel like you're supposed to say something to and you feel like you don't want to because they won't listen? Welcome to parenthood. He says to God, Pharaoh will not listen. They won't believe me. It was only after a divine display of wrath that God sent on the Egyptian nation that they actually said, oh, maybe we need to listen. Moses said, I don't want to do this. God says, you must do this. Why? You're my chosen leader. Charlie, you're my chosen leader. Them people are not going to hear me. He goes, well, when they get desperate enough and racism is in the street, they may want to. And I'm seeing racism in the street and going, this is a 20-year promise. I got a message on racism. I got a story on racism. I got a calling on it. They won't listen. Guess what? Somebody's going to have to listen because it's burning our nation down. That's prime to be a leader. And I'm going, ah, me? Yeah, but if you don't let Moses, your training, the one that you are the assistant to, if you don't declare him dead, you won't do anything. If you don't declare that divorce as dead, you won't gleam what was good. And you'll be stuck in your own rut. You know what a rut is? It's a coffin with the ends kicked out. That was good. I didn't even have that one written down. Skip ahead 41 years of Moses' life. At that moment when Moses was poised to bring the Jewish nation to the land of Canaan into the promises of God. As a leader, he's, he's about to, to, to be successful in everything God promised him. 41 years. Listen, the great leader had brought his followers through wars, rebellion, starvation, and thirst. Weathering every storm, defying human foes, and divine punishment to reach this point. At last, Moses stood ready to fulfill the mission that he had been forced to accept as a young man because God visited him. At that moment, the same deity who had signed Moses, his monumental task, pulled the plug on his leadership. Informing this faithful servant that he had proven, he was proven inadequate in handling one of his many crises. Deuteronomy chapter three. The Bible presents Moses 
The Bible presents God as omniscient. He knows everything. I'm going to tell you something. That troubles me. That fires me up. God, who knows everything, who knows that Moses is going to be a failure, still tells him to get up and do it. And see, this is the hindrance that we all have. If God is all-knowing and God tells me to do something, it must, it must be successful. Really? That ain't biblical. Look, look, look at me. This, this bothers me. This is why yesterday God says, Moses is dead. You need to get over it. Your training is dead. The process of maturity is dead. And until you kill this thing and have a funeral with it, you won't find the good out of it. We're getting ready to do that, aren't we? Her daughter has passed. We're going to have a funeral on the 26th. It's called Celebration of Life. We're going to find the good in it. We're going to talk about the good in it. Because there were still good in it. Or you can focus on the failure and never get into your future. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry for making this personal because this is this life is personal. This relationship with God is personal. So God being all knowing, which bothers me, that he would ask Moses How could God summons Moses to this task, persuade, plead, and finally intimidate him into taking the role with full knowledge that it would end not with glorious success, but with utter failure? That doesn't sound fair to me. How could a merciful God put Moses through this excruciating torture? How would you like to to lead three million murmuring, complaining Jews? They walked around the wilderness. And he was their leader. He waited so long, 40 years, for a whole generation to die off to somebody that would actually follow him. Three million. Murmur, 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 murmur. Put that into three million people. Who made you God? Who told you to be me? Murmur, murmur, murmur. But in Numbers chapter 12, Moses is biblically identified as the most loyal member of divine service. Looking at the broader biblical picture, there's only one, there are not only one, but many examples of this divine pattern of commissioning with unrealistic standards. Whether placing a tree directly in the middle of the Garden of Eden and then telling two knuckleheads, don't eat the tree, don't eat the fruit of the tree. That's like a divine setup for failure. I, I'm, 
What about God telling Elijah to go rebuke a murderous, adulterous Jezebel and Ahab or commanding Jeremiah to straighten out a nation which displays no interest in, in listening? God continuously demands human beings with missions at which we are destined to fail. He told Jeremiah, you go tell them. Oh, by the way, they're not going to listen to you. Why are you sending me? Why? Because they need a biblical record of what I said. So when I either come to judge or they have something to repent for. This question is more than a matter of diagnosing a divine pathology. God God is just... I wrestled with this all day yesterday because I judge my success and failure different than he does. The question can only be answered, and this is what I got yesterday, with the fact that God is a father. Catch this. If you just make him God, he's just a mean ogre. And you're his lowly servant who must obey or get smoked, thrown into pit of hell, beat up or whatever. And that's the mean God that, that religion has portrayed. But if he's a father, his divine role as a parent. So let me change everything I just preached. Didn't we encourage and and encourage our children to strive for goals we respect (laughs) that we suspect they're out of their reach? How much energy have we permitted our children to invest in something they probably will not accomplish, but we do it anyway? Is it not cruel to support efforts which are doomed for failure? But parents know the true value of their children's most unlikely crusades. Provoking a child to hard challenges only helps our children hone skills, develop perseverance, and gain an appreciation for yourself. And we set them up knowing that most likely they will fail. And we do it so we can build character in their lives. And God is a father. I'm I'm pushing out. All of us, I'm asking everybody, I'm asking pastors and leaders and business leaders to come next Saturday from 9 to 12. My oldest son, Jason, is in the middle of getting his Ph.D. on adult learning and and leadership skills. He's doing a workshop. If I showed you the PowerPoint, you'd be like, he can't have the last name that you have. I'm proud of him, and he challenges the heck out of me. He reads the average of 58 books a year for the last three years. He is brilliant. He's smart. He's intentive. He's got 200 people under his management, a billion dollars under his responsibility, and he's a manager over managers. He's my son. He's awesome. And he was going into the workforce to do this, he preached here in February, had an aha moment that this must be a divine call. 
And he has shifted his focus on nonprofits to help them build leadership and learn how we learn as adults. He had an aha moment. He went to seminary. He reads and writes Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew. He went to all that. He laid it all down, went into the, to the, and realized, Dad, everything that I'm learning in theory to get this PhD, I can back it up biblically. I got a little bit of interest in him being successful because I have a little bit of pride in who he is. I got a lot of pride on who he's become. Some of you don't know that we as a family went through a drug addiction with him. and He's overcome it. Amen. And he's successful. But he carries the scars in the form of a tattoo that reminds him where he used to go, what he used to do. And I'm telling you, he's an overcomer. And his failure, his failure did not stop him. Vincent Van Gogh noted that a life geared toward avoiding mistakes will be mediocre. Those who would achieve greatness must be prepared to fail. If we would warn our children away from investing in doomed efforts, we would simultaneously warn them away from investing in their own development and achievements. Perhaps the same may be said for Moses, as well as the other biblical figures who were put to test that they knew that they would fail. God knew that they would fail. Perhaps Moses' mission was not only geared towards shepherding the Jewish nation into Canaan. Perhaps the goal was for Moses to develop the leadership skills of a man who would rescue slaves and turn them into a nation. Perhaps the goal was for Moses to develop the pity of a man who would spend many weeks atop a mountain, whether not eating or drinking, but only studying from the divine message, and he came down with the Ten Commandments. Perhaps a goal was for Moses to develop the outside, outsized kindness of a man who would carry an entire nation as a nurse carries a young child for 40 long years in the wilderness. In this regard... Moses did achieve his goals. I've recognized that I have not achieved many of my goals. Lately, I've lost some sleep over it. At the same time, I draw inspiration from Moses' example. I've not accomplished everything I set out to do, but I am certain that I have grown and developed and achieved some level of success along the way. That's sufficed for Moses, and if that suffices for us as parents, then that will work for me as well. I got a phone call uh, Friday driving down the road from a man who we were, he worked for me, we were in ministry together, and uh, one of the leaders that we were attached to, we, we, had, a, we had a pretty good blowout, and uh, this guy decided to have a reconciliation breakfast between me and this leader. And so we're at breakfast, and, and basically, I 
I love you, but I'm not putting up with your BS anymore, basically. And this gentleman, you know, challenged me, you know, you got to, you got to kiss and make up. You have to do that. Okay. I kiss. I don't make up. Well, um, I forgive really well, but sometimes I don't trust after things have been done. You know, when there's been a failure and a breakdown in relationship and a lack of communication, you have to work through some stuff. And so I kind of, I, I did my portion of that reconciliation to where I could meet him in Walmart and be nice. I could meet him at a conference and be nice. But just knowing I'm not, I'm not staying connected to this. That was 18 years ago. So the gentleman that did all this reconciliation calls me and says, <laughs> I figured it out. What? He said, you were right. I said, why? Did you just experience the left foot of fellowship that I did? And I said, why did it take you so long? I, I plowed the ground for you. And the very concerns I had, he now has. Okay? And, 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 and we, we had this conversation of what great things we learned while we were connected to that ministry. And he, as we're getting off the phone, he goes, you have an ability to find something good. He goes, here I am murmuring and complaining and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I learned what I won't tolerate. That's a benefit for my future. Certain things I won't tolerate. And, and, and you can call that a failure if you want. But after all this time, he said I was successful. I was right. And I'm building upon the things that I made a stand for. Now, I probably shouldn't have to burn the whole tribe, the whole town down to get to the one building. I'm learning, you know, <laughs> some, maybe. Uh, but, but it's success. We've got to embrace our failures and get the good out of our failure. Otherwise, you'll have a low self-esteem and you will think you are a failure. Instead of God being the parent that he is and bringing us to a new level of maturity, a new level of responsibility. But you got to eventually go, Moses is dead. I can't go on into my new season. I can't go get Jericho's walls tore down. I can't go to, until Moses is dead. You got to realize the greatest asset that Moses had is he took a nation, uh, a nation of people, and his first great feat was crossing the Red Sea. You know the story. He took them through, and in that great feat of, of crossing the Red Sea, the, 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 the army, the Egyptian army, got swallowed up, and God became the God of the Jews, the God of power. The God that manifests protection over his people. Okay, and then they wandered around, murmured, complained, learned some lessons. Murmuring and complaining will get the whole generation killed. Say it. Murmur, 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 murmur. I'm a pastor. I hear a lot of murmur, 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 murmur. Try that around Susie. She'd be like, out of here. So here's Moses is dead, and Joshua's looking, I got to take these same people across the Jordan. So what did he pull on? He pulled on historical record of his former leader. 
The principle doesn't change. Here's the difference between the Red Sea and the Jordan. The Red Sea was God motivated to, to, to save mankind. God manifested. And they had a choice to follow God who was being large and in charge. And they were his children and he protected them. That's, that's literally getting saved. How many have crossed the Red Sea in your life? Gave your life to Jesus. God, I'm yours. But this is a different river. This is not the Red Sea. This is the Jordan. One that if you get fast enough on your, on your Harley, you might skip across it. You might not even need a boat. It might not be deep enough to drown you. It could. This, this is the Jordan. This is the barrier that, as a leader, he's got to convince his people. Hey, you, you could probably cross it without my help, but it'd be better to follow my lead. Choose to follow my lead because God's doing something in the middle of this. You could choose to go up the river and do it your way, but you'll never be in enough unity to pull down the walls of Jericho. We will never be in enough unity to possess the land that God has said is our, the promised land. See, you want a visual? The Red Sea is I'm saved. When I die, I'll spend eternity with Jesus. You want to see the Jordan? You want to see an example of the Jordan? Here, I'll show it to you. Dude, I know I offended you. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. My salvation wasn't in jeopardy. But my relationship was. That's the Jordan. Because we have salvation, we cross the Red Sea. Don't think you're in your promised land yet. Because you may need to bow the knee to someone who you've offended or has offended you. When those things are fixed by Holy Spirit, you enter into your promised land. And then you possess the authority and the influence that God determined was yours. Does this make sense? But until Moses is dead, you don't even have that opportunity. Because you'll try to rely upon the historical record. Or you'll pick apart that leader's failure as an excuse to not bend your own knee. Or you won't glean the strength and the wisdom. Back to verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, listen, some of you are hiding behind 
being an assistant when God has told you to stand up and lead. Because if you're an assistant and all hell breaks loose, ain't my fault. <laughs> Been there. To- no, that crazy leader you put me under. That, yeah. And you won't step up and take a department. You won't step up and start doing your ministry because you want to blame Moses. That's a good word right there. Say this, Moses is dead. Now, therefore, arise over this Jordan. Therefore, arise over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land. I'm giving to them and the people of Israel. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your feet will trod upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised Moses. If you bend your knee at your Jordan, the, the leader that failed you, the leader that wounded you will no longer be your excuse you'll actually get to possess what God promised them. You you catching this? See, if you focus on that your leader was a failure, then you will sit on the plane of hesitation and do nothing. But if Moses is dead and you saw those failures, but you knew what the promise was, God told Moses, Moses, you're going to take the people to the promised land. He had the same promise. But Moses failed. Why? You know why he failed? Because he had more profit than pastor. My opinion. Like I said, I'm taking liberty today. Jesus said, speak to the rock. He spoke to the rock. Out came living water because they were thirsty. And then they were thirsty again. And he said, hit the rock once. He hit the rock. Water came out. Well, you got three million. You don't sing the right song. You got this person in the wrong position. You got this and that and the other. And he hit the rock twice and lost everything he was promised. How many parents do we have in here? Have you ever spanked them twice when you should have only spanked them once? Or some of you should have spanked him, and you didn't. <laughs> so if we put this in the proper context that God's a father, we're all in training, man. <laughs> we're all in training. We're trying to learn this. Verse 3, every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. How many bad leaders have you been under that had great promises from God? Five, ten. Okay, if you learn to bend your knee at the Jordan, you can have everything God promised them. I believe God will give you a portion of that to redeem. But you won't, he won't give that to you if you're focusing on their failures. Focus on the strength they gave you. Focus on the encouragement they gave you. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, the great sea toward going down to the sun will be your territory. Find your boundaries. 
that children's church is over there is not my boundaries. It's my responsibility, but it's not my boundary. Find your boundary. Take responsibility for those boundaries, and God will send the people for you to lead. Is that a good word? Then he makes these promises. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. What a promise. But if you're focusing on Moses' failures only, you lost your promise. Be strong and courageous, verse 6. You shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give you. So I'm telling you, uh, strong courageousness is the key to getting your spiritual inheritance. Mamby pamby is not going to work. Applying grace to cover disobedience doesn't work. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Did you notice he didn't say that I commanded you? He knew who he gave it to. He gave it to a leader who gave it to an assistant. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may have good success. Do you want to be successful? Obey me. This book of the law, verse 8, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You know, you know how to keep the murmuring down? Quote the promises. Quote the promises. You're the prophet of your own destiny. The problem is some of you are winding up in places you've been speaking about, and they're not pleasant. They're not lovely. And then you blame God. You should be careful to do all according that is written. Then you will make, verse 8, then you will make your way prosperous. So who's in charge of your prosperity? Oh, and then you will have good success. Who's in charge of your success? Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, the leadership traits that, that Moses carries, courage is developed as the fruit of, from encouragement. The greatest role as a leader is to encourage those that he's leading. Encouragement. Moses revealed his leadership role while shaping the young leader in Joshua. He encouraged him to lead God's people into the promised land, Deuteronomy 31.7. He encouraged him to, be, to emphasize the seriousness of this task. Everybody wants authority, but they don't take responsibility. I love everybody likes to give me their opinion, but they have nothing invested in it. If you don't have any investment in it, shut up. Did I say that blunt enough? And if you see a real problem, maybe God's given you the answer. Just don't bring me the problem. I feel like my, one of my kids. I'll give you something to cry about in a minute. <laughs> When the Lord encourages Joshua after Moses is dead, telling him not to be afraid. 
Those of us who are called to shape leaders will use encouragement as a shaping tool. See, the words uh, to be strong and courageous, the word strong, it, it's a Hebrew word. It's, 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 it's C-H-A-Z-A-Q. Is that about as Hebrew as I get? <laughs> but the meaning is to be strong, courageous, to be violent, uh, vi- violent, manly, strength, established, mighty, firm, fortified. It is in the Old Testament more than 300 times in some form or fashion pointing toward encouragement. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Therefore, he took the seat of leadership. So you go to the New Testament, and this is what I did actually earlier this morning. Okay, great. What does it look like? What does it look like to encourage yourself in the Lord in the New Testament? Mark chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus looked at him and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. you got to know who you're connected to. That's an encouragement. Philippians 1, 6, I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Do you have Jesus Christ living on the inside of you? He's completing what he promised. See, in, 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 in my own report card, I needed to declare Moses dead yesterday. My training was over. I am no longer the assistant that can blame my immaturity. That's a good word right there. I'm taking full responsibility for this ship. I'm taking full responsibility as I'm a, I'm a leader shaped by God, and I have had to encourage myself. And I've had good encouragement. I, listen, I, there's a lot of people in this body who, who know how to encourage. I have encouragement. I, 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 I'll never forget. I, was, I think I was sharing with you yesterday. My dad, I'm missing my dad. I had a week missing my dad. What I needed was encouragement. What I wanted, I didn't need to hear his voice. I wanted to tell him I was okay. And I, I think I told you that, that one of the, I, my dad wasn't a, much of an encourager. Now, he was a shape you. He would shape you into his image. He would shape you into the backside of his hand. <laughs> no problem shaping. It's the encouragement that you, <laughs> you know. God disciplines the ones he's loved. He loved the hell out of you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Papa Jack had sent me to North Carolina to a meeting that he basically gave me instructions to be me and blow it up. There was just some shenanigans going on. I didn't want to go. I know my gift. You know, I know what God said. And Papa Jack pretty well made me go. And I'm driving. I'm, I'm 40, 40, 50 miles outside of uh, the, the town I was going to. And and my dad knew what I was doing and that. My dad calls. Here's what he said to me. Hey, Papa Jack is not your only father. I know who God's made you. I know you're on assignment. These men are not going to like what you have to say. And they will stick you with arrows and daggers. And when you come home, Come to my house, and I make sure that I pull every one of them out of you. 
And he told me, told me he was proud of me. Jack Taylor's not your only father. That's the kind of encouragement that we need to be leaders. This is a family business. And when you know God as a father, you have no failure. That just doesn't, your head can't get that. Only your heart can get that. Because any failure you've had, others may say it's a failure, but grace and mercy and the love of a father comes and says, okay, we've learned we're not going to do that again, right? Yeah, yeah, Daddy. I don't disqualify you from a failure. You disqualify you from a failure. You're in the family business. Psalms 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day drawing near. Our nation will not survive if we do not start encouraging each other in the things of the Lord. And we're going to have to provoke each other just a little to love. We may have to provoke somebody. I may just have to tell Rodney next week, hey, Moses is dead. Drop your attitude. Because this is a new season. What got us here is not going to get us there. Moses is dead. But the promises are alive. Stand to your feet. I want to end with Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I want to do this in two dimensions. Leaders that have failed you, wounded you, betrayed you, but saw something in you or you wouldn't have followed them. You got that? So who sent you there? Oh, you probably told the people, God sent me here. About time you was leaving the door. Hell with that. <laughs> we done that. God sent me here. Well, uh, the devil just ran him out. No, God's in charge of that. So I, I want you to just take a minute because we've all been there. If you've been serving Jesus long, Moses is dead. That leader is dead. He no longer has access. She no longer has access. That's dead. 
And I'm not going to look at the failure. I'm going to look at what I learned that was godly, righteous, and necessary. And I'm applying that. I'm, a, I'm applying that. So the next season of my life will be success. <laughs> now, what about the Moses on the inside of you? Could hear the promises. Could feel the parade. Ass- signed up for the assignment. And you've had failure or you haven't had success. And we want to blame everybody else. But you know you've learned something, but you haven't tapped into the power of what you learned. Because it's still pain and not power. What if it's a divorce? I love people that got divorced. Hey, tell me all this crap. I'm like, well, why'd you marry the idiot? And then they tell you why. They haven't learned to process the failure portion and stand on the good. Does that make sense? Say this, Moses is dead. But I want my inheritance. Give it to me, Lord. The way the kingdom does. With truth, with light, and life. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.